I think that you know, a lot of my work is about relationships and it's about people coming together or looking backwards and seeing this sort of chain of people behind you to this place where you are. And in communities, there's so much variation. I want to acknowledge the individual and then realize that we're all part of something greater. piece, conversations about the work behind the work with diverse artists from all over the globe. My name is Ruby Josephine Smith, and not only am I the creator and host of this podcast, I am a choreographer and contemporary dance artist. This is a podcast in process about process. I am not only fascinated by the creative process itself, but how to have better and more meaningful conversations about it with artists of different cultures, backgrounds, and mediums. Join me in digging deep into what it is that drives a person to make art. Today's conversation is light-filled and vibrant, just like the beautiful work of my guest artist, Farida Hughes. Farida is an abstract artist working in mixed media, oil, and resin paint on panel. She developed her mixed media style after many years of painting with oil paint and experimenting with other oil painting mediums. She studied studio art and English at Fordham University in New York and received an MFA in painting from the University of Chicago. Her work is exhibited widely in galleries and art centers and is included in several private and corporate collections, including Target, United Health Group, and Chesapeake Capital. Farida is a 2013 recipient of an arts initiative grant from the Minnesota State Arts Board and has worked with many arts outreach groups and grassroots community arts endeavors. She currently maintains her studio in Baltimore, Maryland. In this conversation, we get deep into her process, both technically and thematically. We discuss what drew her to abstract art specifically and how she has developed her ever-growing body of work, how her multicultural background is a leading force in the themes she works with, and being comfortable with having a different perspective of the world than other people around you. Farida has built such a beautiful and holistic view as an artist, and her ease and thoughtfulness about it all flow through this whole talk. Here is my conversation with Farida Hughes. Farida, welcome to Process Peace. I'm really happy to have you on here. Thank you, Ruby. It's um, really an honor that you invited me. Lovely to talk. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sad I haven't actually seen your work in person, but I've seen a lot of it online and it's beautiful and you can still get the colors and textures even from seeing it on a screen. So hopefully I get the chance to see it in person someday soon. Hope so. Um, so I always like to start these interviews in around the same place, going way back into your childhood and asking what is your uh, first memory of creating something? First memory, um, I'm sure I created something well before this item that I'm going to talk about, but um, <laughs> it's, it's my very first memory of making something without any direction. And it was, I believe I was in middle school and I made a chessboard and pieces designed and cut the wood and finished it and everything for my father. Um, mm. So that was uh, something that just, I, I just had the idea and the inspiration and, and went down. I, I used to love to go down into his workshop and build things, cut wood, experiment. And someone had given us a wood burner. So I cool. designed this set using whatever wood I could find in the shop and stain that he had and, and the wood burner to cut into the wood and uh, wow. help shape it. So <laughs> that's, that's amazing. That's pretty ambitious for a middle schooler. <laughs> I think it was, but it was, it was great. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was lucky in middle school to have shop as one of my classes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. They don't have that anymore. Have that anymore. (laughs) Yeah. So really one of my favorite classes. (laughs) Yeah. You were saying that that's the first thing you did kind of without direction. Were you taking art classes, but outside of shop from a young age? Just classes in school, just art Mm -hmm. as, um, as one of the offerings that we had to take. Everyone, everyone did Mm -hmm. it. 
I think everyone did it <laughs> in yeah. my middle school. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And I did. I, I was in a lot of craft classes uh, as a child just growing up. Um, you know, things to do in the summer or different camps. I think I was always drawn to those types of things. Maybe working with your hands and executing Mm -hmm. a solution to something. So, yeah. When did painting start to come into the picture more? Really in high school. Okay. I I did my, created my first oil painting at home Mm -hmm. uh, on my own. And again, without direction. So it was something I, I just wanted to do. And from that moment on, I fell in love with oil paint and was Mm. just the juiciness, the richness of the color, um, how to move colors and back and forth, um, on top of let them slide together. Uh, Mm. was really exciting, thrilling for me. So. Yeah. It's so textural. I really, I like the way you describe that. (laughs) Very kind of movement based as a movement. It is. It is. Oh, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And movement was always part of what I was interested in painting. Mm. Um, movement, and I started out, this first painting was a landscape and thinking about the movement of what's out there, what, what you're looking at and how, mm-hmm. how different shapes intertwine with each other and create a scene mm-hmm. in that sense, how the clouds are moving, what the sky's doing. What, you know. Yeah. Is that kind of what drew you into more abstract art eventually? It's funny because I... When I started painting, I knew I wanted, I would be an abstract painter. Interesting. Had you been looking at a lot of abstract art? No. <laughs> no? <laughs> I, I had it. I don't know where that came into my psyche at whatever point it did, but I, I just knew I was going to end up there. And it was the figuring out the in-between. How, did mm. I, how was I going to get there and what was I going to be saying? You know, mm. why abstract abstract art can say so many different things but I needed to figure out what was my subject matter and that was always a struggle when I was in school (laughs) yeah Um, that's I mean that's really the ongoing process I think yes 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 because ideas come from other places and I could be purely a formalist artist many artists are Mm -hmm. but that's not true to who I am so Right. Uh, didn't, that didn't fit. So. Right, which is what I really appreciated when I looked even deeper into your work and reading your artist statement and everything, is that there's this whole backstory and background themes and concepts to what you do. And I'm always really attracted to art like that. I'm not much of a formalist in my own art and contemporary dance or in looking at other forms. So I, I really appreciated that. And something I found interesting that you wrote in your artist statement is that um, your work is really inspired by your multicultural background. And so it was interesting just staying in kind of your past to where you are now a little bit more. If there are any moments in your upbringing that stand out to you as forming who you are as an artist today? Um, probably many. <laughs> yeah, so my, my father is an immigrant from India and mm-hmm. met my mother in the United States. Um, so I have a German Indian background. Mm-hmm. And that was always kind of underlying my um, sense of who I was, that I was um, blended in a way. And blend, mm-hmm. the blend idea is a big project of mine. But <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's two different cultures together in, in, in one space and how mm-hmm. we dealt with that or ignored it growing up, mm-hmm. um, what mm-hmm. that meant, um, how I looked different to people, mm-hmm. and how they perceived me and questions they asked and how I yeah. responded. Um, that was always ever present in um, growing up. And, yeah. and times have changed and, and um, mm-hmm. you know, community has changed as, as we've progressed in times, you know, during my <laughs> lifetime. Right. Um, so conversations are different. But right. multiculturalism was a big uh, um, part of my core in college. And mm-hmm. they, they kind of shaped the curriculum around thinking about that. And I didn't realize that until later um, when I really adopted that as a theme in my work. Um, mm. you know, that, so did that kind of start to emerge even before you actively vocalized it as I a piece? I believe so. 
Interesting. Yes. Because some of my first abstract paintings where I was not painting from a landscape or from reference material became about kind of collective movement of groups of, of mm -hmm. individuals working together in a group. And that's yeah. really the core of the work that I do. Um, yeah. You know, thinking about each form as an individual, but every part of it works together to create a whole in harmony. And so that's the metaphor. But <laughs> yeah, no, but it really, it shows. And I, I, I love how you play with that. I'm, I'm curious just kind of about your personal, more formal technical process before we dive into the themes and concepts a little more. Um, so when you are actively painting a work, are, are you thinking of that theme before you put brush to canvas or is it kind of the painting that makes the theme come to life if that makes sense it does make sense uh and more often than not and so most of the time i am working in a series so a piece would be part of a series and so that there would there would be content ahead of the execution or the the mm -hmm. thumbnail sketch <laughs> yeah um of the piece so there may be variation in mm -hmm. in a series uh or something I create in the same process of a series that doesn't seem to fit, but it's, right. you know, well, I'd have to try this idea. And so I may, right. you know, choose a different way of executing it, but I'm using the same medium, the same method and process of creating the piece, um, mm -hmm. but it might look different. But everything seems, I think, comes from that, that sense of, um, the statement, I guess, if you will, <laughs> yeah. or, you know, the, or that, that subject matter that I'm interested in. Yeah. So it always does start there. Yeah. But um, when I started painting, I started with uh, color and shape. Mm. And so and then the, the initial marks, the initial things on a blank canvas or a blank board um, mm -hmm. are very fresh and raw. Yeah. And then I build it up. So I may know what the end product or just a sense of what the end product will be and what it's going to say. But when I start the piece um, itself, freedom. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's that surprise element maybe midway through. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about color because your work is so colorful with really vibrant colors all layering together. Um, and I've always been really fascinated by color myself. And I liked to think that I was synesthetic when I was little. I don't think I actually was. I think I just really wanted to be because I thought it sounded so cool. Um, but I was curious if colors for you carry um, emotions or personalities or something as you're layering them or kind of how you come to your color choices. I think they do carry parts of personalities and, uh, and emotion. Um, in the end, every piece that I create, I want to be hopeful and optimistic. So that does lead some of my color choices. Mm. You know, I, I very rarely, even if my subject matter might come from a dark place, mm. I, I want in the end to work through it and make it hopeful. And mm. I, I believe that that does um, suggest to me different colors or different colors that work together to create an end, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, rather than, you know, I may, may use some dark blues or some, you know, deeper, richer, more murky colors. But if mm -hmm. you put, you know, a certain yellow or a certain green next to it, it just changes the hue entirely into something new. So yeah. I do, I am aware of that in my, in my paintings. Yeah. Um, occasionally, you know, one piece in particular, I, re I remember painting and I, and it was very clean greens and reds and yellows. And mm -hmm. suddenly it became this very dark, dirty burgundy. I had layered too many colors on it and it, <laughs> and it was well away, very far away from where I intended it to be. But mm -hmm those things can happen and you work through them. So I ended up, you know, just pushing it, the color out so that the brighter, lighter colors ended up framing 
the middle and, mm. and it worked out in yeah. that's part of that surprise in the process, but usually in the middle yeah. of a painting, there's tension and stress and, <laughs> and self-doubt. Mm, yeah. I mean, any, any work of art, I think has that in the middle of it, yes. which is where the, I think the beauty kind of comes from in the end. And it's really, I'm just fascinated when I have these conversations over and over because, um, you know, I'm talking with artists of all mediums and all cultures, but something that I've realized is tying most of them together is this idea of bringing light out of darkness and not ignoring the dark, not, you know, not everything being happy all the time or overly positive, but this theme of like shining light through that. Um, and I see that in your work as well. And you spoke to that. So I'm, I'm just curious if you kind of could elaborate on where that comes from for you a little bit more, this idea of wanting to bring hope out. I think just noticing strife in the world, um, where where it lives, if it's in mm-hmm. if it's in um, the home or a family or in politics or in it, it happens in many many different ways and places and and where there's sadness, trying to figure it out for myself, um, come to some sense of healing and understanding whether it has to do with me or not, you know, or mm-hmm. another community. Um, how can we or they get beyond that, that strife and, and lead to a better place? I think we all need to address um, introspectively when, when we're hurting um, or when we're not getting along and, and, and look at those mm-hmm. root causes uh, in communication and relationships and, and move forward because mm-hmm. there's no, no gain in holding pain in right. or, or hurt or illness or, yeah. um, yeah, I can't tell you why I want to be hopeful. <laughs> I, just <do. laughs> that's, that's I don't know where something... that comes from, but yeah. Um, it's a good thing to have inside and to hold and to bring out in your work as well. I think that, you know, a lot of my work is about relationships and it's about people mm-hmm. coming together and moving together, as I said, um, or, or looking backwards and seeing this sort of chain of um, people behind you to this place where you are uh, mm. in, in the world. And, um, and in communities, there's so much variation and yeah. I, I want to acknowledge the individual and and then realize that we're all part of something greater. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that, there's and, so much beauty in both of those opposites. Mm-hmm. The I, When I looked at your work and read some of the statements, especially in common threads and blends, um, I, this theme of belonging kept coming up to me, which is similar to what you're talking about, um, but something I've... Also, I think because it's very personal to me, having lived in Morocco for seven years, a place that I might probably will never look like I belong, and then also coming back to the Midwest and not quite feeling like I belong here either. It's a theme that comes up really personally in my life. Um, And so I see that reflected in your work. And I'm just curious, um, going off of that, what belonging means to you and how you see that resonated in your work, if you do. I I think that probably I've struggled with the uh, understanding of where I belonged growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that what, multiculturalism. Right. What, mm-hmm. what is my community? What is my group? Mm-hmm. Um, where do I fit in? Um, I also grew up in a, in a, you know, in a multicultural home, um, mm-hmm. but away from all other family. And my parents mm. moved, and, and so we didn't have a lot of family influence um, on a daily, monthly, weekly <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, basis <laughs> at all. Uh, we would have to travel mostly to see other families. So, so that was interesting for me mm. and a little different um, from what I noticed with my peers. Yeah. Um, so sense of belonging, um, you know, there's a sort of duality also, um, my my husband once told me I was an odd mix of urban and country girl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my father grew up in the city. My mother yeah. grew up on a farm. So oh, yeah. both of those interests. Um, That's like separate cultures in itself as well. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's bridging those, those mm-hmm. ideals and 
those and the knowledge that you gain from both of those environments. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just think of that too, because I feel like so many people are kind of searching for a sense of belonging right now. Um, I always have felt this kind of tension between wanting to ind- individuate yourself as, as kind of an American ideal, um, but then also wanting to belong to a community and wanting to belong to a culture. Um, so what does, I mean, I'm curious, what does community mean to you? It's, it's, an, it's interesting now because I have moved um, a couple of years ago to a new place and, mm-hmm. and I'm looking for a community, um, moved into a sort of set community, which mm-hmm. is um, a, a boarding school type of situation. My husband is in school administration okay. um, and we've lived on a, a few boarding school campuses. So, so there's this oh. <laughs> community that you, you know, you become a part of and it's a choice. It's a lifestyle choice. Mm-hmm. And, um, but outside of that, I, I am looking for community that, um, that I'm drawn to that shares my ideals, my values, my interests. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, though I found that quite easily in the Twin Cities where I moved from in Minnesota, mm-hmm. it's a little harder here in Maryland. Mm, so interesting. It's also a bit of soul searching. Where, where is it that I want to end up? Um, mm-hmm. You know, who is my community? So moving is, is, is difficult. It is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> starting over. You don't, <laughs> there yeah. you go. <laughs> I know you don't really realize how much place affects who the, the sense you have of yourself, but it really has a strong impact on that as, as soon as you move and as soon as you settle. Yes. And not only do you have to internalize and figure out who you are and, and what your what your needs are, you have to explain yourself to everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you meet somebody, <laughs> who am I? <laughs> well, yeah. here I am, and this is what I do. <laughs> yeah. How is that? How does that kind of affect your sense of being an artist? Do you, have you ever struggled with trying to identify as an artist or explain yourself as an artist to other people, or has that come pretty naturally to you? I think it comes naturally because I'm not afraid of people not seeing what I see. Um, mm. I, I was in a residency once and I'm painting a waterfall uh, outside and somebody drove by and stopped and looked at my painting and said, oh, well, that's how you see it, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but yes, that is how I see it. And that's what the oh. painting is going to be. <laughs> Very funny. I love that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but our art is, is it's a lifelong pursuit and one mm-hmm. painting isn't going to say it all. And mm-hmm. uh, I love having people into my studio and having conversations there. It's very valuable. I think it's a, it's a wonderful experience for artists to bring mm-hmm. people in and to talk about mm-hmm. their work in their space in front of it with with people who are open to the discussion. Yeah. And they may not want want to look at it again, but mm-hmm. right. Yeah. <laughs> right. No one's gonna okay. like it, but that's okay. You can't please everyone. Yeah. <laughs> well I I love that confident attitude about it. It's it can be hard to cultivate that, I think. Um and just have that idea that, well this is my perspective and if you don't like it then yeah. You can create your own. <laughs> right, right. Or move on right. and find, you know, find move, the thing yeah. that you are attracted to. Right. Um, but this is what, it's problem solving for me to mm-hmm. put things together on, on a picture plane and figure out what's happening there. But also it's a way mm-hmm. of, you know, like we've been discussing, solving a problem in the world that mm-hmm. um, I'm bringing into my painting. And, but again, it's, it's, um, it's a body of work. Right. One piece isn't going to, isn't going to do it. And, and right. it's a progression. We'll see in five years where I am and if I just right. said anything. <laughs> right. It just keeps growing and flowing and everything. Yes. Yeah. I love that phrase body of work, probably because I'm a dancer. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is this thing that you're always piecing together. Um, I mean, even as a dancer, you know, we're working with our whole body and yet you don't always feel that. It is this process of kind of putting together something that might be disjointed, whether that's um, focus on, you know, some, I tend to sometimes forget about my hands. Um, and so that's something that I have to actively add into the body of work. And it, it's, 
I imagine it's similar in creating paintings that all go together in this flow, in this process of what you're trying to say and put out there. Yes, I can't ever forget about my hands. <laughs> right, of course you can't, you really can't. Yeah. It's the opposite probably. Yeah. Yeah. But that's interesting. Um, yeah. I was on that note of you, you with your, you know, working with your body and form and space and you're probably mm -hmm. visualizing as you're doing it. Um, oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And then forgetting your hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or something else. It's, it's something different every day. Um, and I'm not a dancer, but I, mm -hmm. I do think that body awareness is a part of the work that, mm. um, your breath and your presence and your body can, you know, dictate how your hand moves. So mm -hmm. are you using it with your wrist? Are you just painting with your wrist and your fingers? Usually you're not painting with, you know, your shoulders and your torso or your, or I stand to paint um, because mm -hmm. what I, my medium needs to be flat when I'm painting it. Um, I am, you know, working over the piece and mm. moving the paint with my body. Wow. Um, yeah. Not just my fingers. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so breath and awareness of that is, is part of, I think, how successful I I am with creating a shape um, mm. or, you know, or directing the movement of the paint. I never would have thought of that, but it's true. It's a very embodied experience. Yes. Yes. For certain kinds of painting, I'm sure. For certain kinds of painting. Right. Yeah. If you're doing a little, you know, at one point I was very into doing pen and ink um, stippling work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's oh, nice. whole body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how I tend to, when I sketch, it's very tiny and kind of this like meditative turn my mind off saying, so it's a, it's a completely different experience, but I really, I love that idea of kind of more embodied painting. When I was, um, well, maybe 20 years ago now, I was painting large, very large canvases and mm -hmm. thinking about how a dancer might move was I was painting, mm -hmm. I would watch birds and butterflies and try to mm -hmm. capture that movement in the painting. Um, and my work has changed. Mm -hmm. So it's not as so rhythmical, but those ideas are still there. Yeah. There's still kind of a rhythm to your work that you can feel or some sort of flow or movement in it. Now I switched mediums. So I, your audience should know I'm sure. <laughs> that I, I, as an oil painter, I, I spend a lot of time researching uh, oil painting mediums and trying to have a solvent free studio and, mm -hmm. but, but to get the paint to do what I wanted it to do and how, you know, what, what's the recipe mm. of the mixture of paint to, to make it be what I want it to be. Um, over a number of years, I ended up stumbling into using resin and mm. I paint with that now. Okay. So, so that has changed, not the, not the layering process or the thought process of the painting, but definitely change the look of the painting. Yeah. What's and, the, what is kind of the texture difference since I'm not super familiar with it? So I use a two part epoxy resin and it's um, the consistency when it's mixed is like honey. Mm, okay. And, and I mix my paint into it. So I'm always mixing colors, always mixing right. things and it flows and it is, wet and runny for a little bit a period of time I have about 45 minutes before it starts to set up okay. and and then and then it has you know 24 or 72 hours to cure so right. wow. but I have you know I have a working time with a mixture mm -hmm. and I need to control it and, and direct what it's going to do in that time mm. and the layering that happens because it is transparent you can see through it all the all the layers and so mm. when we're talking about movement a lot of the movement that you see in the work comes from that process of yeah. one color applied over another but you can see the edges mm. and then you see these very subtle lines and it how it affects the color and and the um, light i imagine too kind of like we were talking about how the light comes through yes yes how the light dances through the color and it mm. and it um, and it, sometimes the color does surprising things, which I love. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and sometimes I know, sometimes I know that it's going to do that thing. Right. And so I put it there. But, yeah. 
it sounds like a very playful process. It's a nice mix of kind of having to have some control over the time, but then being able to play and be surprised within that. Yes, to a point, but it's also to a very point. slow process of, of finishing a piece because I do work in layers. So mm -hmm. um, one layer needs a certain amount of curing time before I can put the next one on. So mm -hmm. it's, it's stretched out into many days. Wow. Um, I can, can't finish a painting with this medium in one sitting. So. Right. You need yeah. patience for that. A lot of patience, a lot of planning. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. Are you usually working towards a specific deadline or is it kind of open and free? It depends. Um, this year, of course. <laughs> yes, this year is a whole other topic. Yeah. <laughs> Often I'm working toward a deadline with the body of work. Um, I, for a couple of years, I was really lucky to have a lot of shows um, kind of back to back. And so I was working all the time trying to churn out enough pieces for, for these shows. Mm -hmm. And um, it's really nice to slow down now. It's nice. It's also challenging I'm sure. to, to not have a deadline. And now, now things are starting to get placed that were, you know, postponed. Mm -hmm. Now they're getting placed in the future. So I know there are things, you know, coming, right. but I don't have any immediate uh, schedule. <laughs> so. Right. <laughs> How has that felt for you, this kind of forced slowing down, I suppose, as an artist during this whole pandemic we've been in? And it's, you know, I, I've been talking about this specific time, but these moments of having to slow down happen all the time in our lives. So I'm just curious what that's been like for you. Yeah. Um, it's weird. It was weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yeah. had work <laughs> when we did, when we did slow down and stop. Um, I had work that I had already been engaged in that I was, that I was, was starting in my studio and I kind of mentally put that aside, um, and brought, pulled out other medium and brought other things back to my house from the studio and thought, well, for a few weeks, I'll do some printmaking and hmm. I'll do woodcuts and, you yeah. know, just something different that I like to do, but usually don't do right um and then two weeks later i brought the other work that i started back home okay <laughs> <laughs> set up a home studio and then i ended up painting mm -hmm. uh, at home for a while but the light is different you don't have all the things that you usually reach for in the yeah. same place and so i think that changed the work that i did in that time and also mentally and emotionally, um, mm. that it was a stressful time. And every artist will say, uh, I don't, I don't know what to do next. Right. Um, I don't know how to handle this. Um, right. And so I realized a little while ago that um, during that time I was making work mm -hmm. um, because that's part of me. I'm not satisfied with myself if I'm not making something. Mm -hmm. I understand that, yeah. <laughs> yes. But looking back, I see that I was making escapist work. Mm. I was, you know, mentally in a different place and mm -hmm. making this work that didn't look like what I had made before. And that's okay. I think that's yeah. okay. Uh, and and now I'm, I'm in a place where I'm working to bridge that. So what are the new things I discovered? Right. In, in doing those little pieces. And uh, what can I bring now to the work that I had done before that I want to continue with? Right. Uh, so some things I'm doing may look a little different. Mm -hmm. um, but the subject matter, the concepts and the themes, I think, still resonate with what I always do. Yeah. You were saying, this is way back in the beginning of our conversation, but you were saying that the whole world around um, conversations about multiculturalism um, and how that's addressed now has changed a lot. Uh, so how do you think that's changed? Um, has that changed? Has it impacted your work? I don't, I don't know, because when I was in college, of course, I didn't know I was making that kind of work. <laughs> right. <laughs> I didn't know that that's what I, you know, was, yeah. was going to be talking about. Yeah. I do know that for a time in my life, I and, and, and people, there's this concept of wanting to be colorblind. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we don't want to talk about people. We don't want to, you know, bring negative 
thoughts out into the world. So so we're going to be colorblind and just erase it all. Right. But that's turned around. And I think it's better that we address everybody as an individual. And, and maybe that is a change in my work because a number of years ago, I started the lens project thinking about how everybody is a unique individual Mm -hmm. with a history, um, cultural, ethical, ethnic sorry history and and that uh, and those histories play into who we are mm-hmm. and in acknowledging that everybody is unique and beautiful in that uniqueness and and worthy of acknowledgement is um, I think very important that that we see each other um, not as colorblind but as as colorful yeah yeah that's, that's yeah. perfect for your work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Back to the bright colors. It makes so much yes, sense. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it makes for a more interesting world. Exactly. We, we don't need to assimilate and be homogenous. We need mm-hmm. to be um, a very strong whole community of many important equal and individual parts. Um, mm-hmm. That's really what I think. I completely agree. I think the more you go out in the world or just meet people, even in your own world, that are just really different from you and have completely different perspectives, the more you see that that's actually a really beautiful thing. Um, The more deeply you can understand them and have empathy with them. And like your work says, you know, find the common threads between them. Yes, yes. And you realize that the more you talk to people that you Mm -hmm. have a lot in common with a lot of people yeah exactly there's always something you can find yeah um i also wanted just to touch back on the the waterfall story you told (laughs) about painting the waterfall um because that was something i specifically wanted to ask you about um i talked to a choreographer once uh her name is jumana and she's from kuwait and she was talking about how um as a choreographer, everything she sees in the world, she sees as something that can be choreographed. So she was saying how even the way she turns a doorknob seems like a dance to her or, you know, these really simple little things. And so I was just curious if you could maybe put into words how you see the world through the eyes of an abstract painter. That's beautiful, the turn of a doorknob. Yeah, I love that detail that she gave. (laughs) I, I see contrast when I, when I look out the landscapes, I'm, I'm looking out my windows now because I have windows around my computer. Yeah. Um, I, see, uh, I see the world as contrasts in color and, mm-hmm. and shape, um, but I also see movement. And I, I love looking out at the trees as winds moving through the leaves and mm-hmm. to see how it passes from one place to another. Mm. Um, and then you see that kind of history of, of it uh, in movement, mm. yeah. um, the way animals move, you know, the, how the, how the sky, if it's cloudy or if it's sunny, um, changes the way light falls onto things. Those things are very interesting to me. I love, um, I don't love commuting, I should say, (laughs) but I do love, (laughs) my studio is about a 25 minute drive Mm -hmm. from my house. So that time is a good transition for me mentally to reset from what my household responsibilities are and what I'm doing at, you know, paying bills or whatever, marketing at home. And I just do this, the painting in the studio. So when I get there, I'm ready to work usually. But I love driving through landscape mm. and just noticing it as I pass by. And I choose routes that are off the highway and through the valley through, you know, so I can see fields and mm-hmm. maybe for birds and, you know, different things or people um, yeah. doing things. Um, but I, I really enjoy that. And I think that's helpful to set the mind uh, into another space mm-hmm. yeah but like looking at nature is is um i think important in my work i would mm-hmm. say i'm an organic abstract painter and so mm, yeah. nature natural forms and yeah. shapes um are very much part of my work I find that so interesting because your work is, through your artist statements is very much about people and communities 
and more kind of human connections. And yet I think having that connection with nature as well and having that be part of your kind of daily practice shows you the larger scale of things and like you were saying kind of that larger world that we're all connected to and so i it it makes a lot of sense but it's also interesting to hear that um articulated yes and i and i chose to have my studio in the city so that i can see that energy Mm -hmm. happening and and you know that's important to me as an artist as a as a painter uh, well, I guess I've chosen this for myself, but to be <laughs> isolated. I mean, I work most day, most days in isolation mm-hmm. um, by myself. And not you know, often I don't talk to anybody until I come home and talk to my husband. Right. <laughs> but, um, I, I, do, I do get energy from seeing interaction between people. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something I like to ask, and it's a very big question, so you can take your time or answer however you like, but I, I'm just curious what you think it means to be an artist. Ooh. <laughs> I, being an artist, it's, it's for, for me, it's a job, mm-hmm. um, and nobody's asking me to do it. <laughs> no one's paying me to do it. Right. But it's a job that I have to be self-motivated to do and, and scheduled, and Mm-hmm. Um, I used to mentor in Minnesota mm-hmm. and I would tell everyone that I worked with that you need to schedule your studio time mm-hmm. because if you don't, you're not going to go there. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> true. Do the work. And after a while, you don't need to write down the schedule, put it in your calendar, but you know, it becomes habitual, but, mm-hmm. but, but it, you do, you do need to make the time. Mm-hmm. if that is what your job is <laughs> right because um, no one else will do it for you yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> so so and being an being an artist so, so these are the you know these are the structural parts of it I guess <laughs> yeah which is part of it absolutely yeah yeah so it's being self-motivated and ambitious um it's also the the sense of wanting to communicate and um, reach out to others through the through the work, and I know it's you know it's very quiet and it's, it's done privately, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the goal, hopefully, well, not every artist has this goal, but um, I do to to show the work most of it, <laughs> not everything. <Yeah. laughs> um, and and that's and there are two reasons for that, and one is um, to communicate with an audience and and to get feedback and to talk about a concept with, mm-hmm. with other people. The other is to see if I've done it. <laughs> yeah. Did I get my point across? Yeah. Um, can I put a collection of works together, pieces together to say something that might make a difference to another human being? Mm. And if that happens, it's wonderful. I mean, my drive is always to be a problem solver. So I set up, I set up the problem, but then I have to solve it yeah. <laughs> um, as an artist. Um, yeah. and, and there's creative energy that's, that's always at work. Um, yeah. And it's beautiful. Um, yeah. I, I don't I really, I guess I don't have a real romantic vision of me as an artist. <laughs> Which maybe <laughs> is for the best. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I do it because I need to do it. And for some, whatever reason, I, I, I was drawn to painting. And yeah. um, Does it feel like a choice for you? Or does it feel like something you are more kind of led to? I feel, I guess this is what I was trying to say before. I, mm-hmm. I feel like I, I was led to it. I mean, it, it is a passion and it is a drive mm-hmm. that I can't explain or control. I just know if I go too long without being in the studio or or making something, I am grouchy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the choice comes in choosing to show up and do the work. Mm-hmm. So there's there's something about dreaming to be creative and mm-hmm. longing to do something, but the choice to do it um, is is self directed to mm-hmm. you know have the studio, and that was always important to me to have a place to work. Yeah. And to get myself there, but to have it set up and to order the supplies, you know, have them ready or build what I need to build so that I can do the work that I 
know that I want to do. Right. Which is probably the line between where it becomes a job and not just a hobby or a whim or. Yes. Yes. And lots of artistic hobbies too. Yeah, (laughs) of course. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, I always like to wrap up with a couple questions um, that I ask everyone. And one of those is we've addressed a little bit of this, um, but I like to know if you have any specific daily rituals that help you enhance your creative life. When I get up, I always have to have a couple glasses of water. <laughs> I think that's I think that's a a ritual. Um, it's mm. you know it's just cleansing, refreshing, lets me have a quiet moment. Just drinking water. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and that's important to me. So I do that. I do that every day. And um, I love the simplicity of that. I think it is something important. It is. And, and of course, coffee. Um, mm-hmm. But I wouldn't say that's a ritual. <laughs> a routine, maybe. Yeah. Um, Excuse me. Sorry. It's okay. So, okay, ritual. Yes. <laughs> so I do have morning rituals with the, the dog. Yes. <laughs> um, we have two rescue dogs, but the one I, I became his little chew toy uh, mm-hmm. for when we first brought him home. So I, I work at home as well. Right. Um, for a long time I did graphic design freelance or for mm, okay. museums and um so I, I do have right right now I'm not doing that but mm-hmm. um when we got this dog he would spend a long time gnawing on my ankle <laughs> oh, gosh. And I had to realize what what are his needs and and what where is this coming from yeah and so I did set up certain rituals with with this dog in the morning and give him a series of of things hidden in some toys or hide things in the house for him. Mm-hmm. And he knows it. He expects it every day right. that we're going to go through this process. And then he settles down. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I have to do that both for him and for me. Yeah. So that I can work. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but another funny ritual I'll share is um, my husband gets up early. Mm-hmm. So his alarm goes off at, 5 20 in the morning something like that Mm -hmm. um and i get up with him i don't like to stay in bed Um, but i also like the morning time Mm -hmm. that's when i do all of the busy work yeah maybe read or the bills anything i need to answer emails whatever (laughs) that's nice um but when his alarm goes off i say i wake up i get out of bed first i say all right i say that to myself every day all right and then Bob Marley starts playing in my head. <laughs> so <laughs> let's get together and be oh, yeah. all right. And then I'm okay for the, you know, I can sort of mentally set my day because it's going to be all right. I know yeah. I have a lot to do. I start making notes right away of what the plan is for the day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Hopefully by the end of the day, I'll have done all those things. But if not, that's okay. <laughs> it will be all right. <laughs> that's lovely. I love that. <laughs> um, what, do you, what is something that's inspiring you lately? Maybe something little that you've been noticing around you or something that's inspiring your current work? Um, my current work, or the work that I'm sort of preparing myself to dive into is kind of about the idea of um, processing for healing Mm. and processing for protest, which Mm. I think is also healing. Yeah. And I've done paintings about protests before. Um, Lots of group images, you know, just Mm -hmm. they were, they were done from imagined from the air, aerial views, um, Mm. people gathering. Um, but this you know the new the new i guess part of that for me is thinking of it as a way of kind of group therapy Mm, yeah (laughs) Um, you know peaceful protest can be a kind of you know therapy and let's all heal together yeah and that's kind of what i'm playing with now in my head and thinking about and just in reaction to what's happened this year Mm -hmm. um and in prior years, um, where we are in this moment, um, 
and that healing needs to happen mm -hmm. and and healing can happen in a group it can happen individually and yeah. um, sort of looking for that yeah that seems to be a very strong theme for this year because the last conversation I just did before this was also all about healing from a much more kind of individual, personal level, healing from trauma. But of course that can be, you you have to do that first in order to then be able to participate in the group healing, I think. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe that's the word for 2020 and hopefully going forward. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully we'll heal and we'll be better. In a better yes. place. something something's gonna happen yeah something is opening a friend sent me a book i started a little book exchange with a friend nice and she sent me something she copied out of the new york times and it's about opening mm. nature is opening and we are also opening we don't know what's going to happen but something is opening up in us and it will get better yeah we hope so there's, yeah. This is definitely a year of big transition. I yes. think on a lot of people's personal levels and then communally as well. Yes. Yes. Yeah. This has been an amazing conversation. I think we'll start to bring it to an end. Um, but before we do, uh, where can people find you and your work online? Um, on Instagram mm -hmm. at Farida Hughes underscore artist. Mm -hmm. And um, my website is FaridaHughes.com. So it's just my name.com. Perfect. And, yeah. And this will be linked in the show notes so everyone can go okay. see your beautiful work. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for this conversation. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you, Ruby. It was wonderful to talk with you. Thanks. For links to connect with Frida and see more of her work, head over to the show notes at rubyjosephine.com slash podcast. You can also follow this podcast on Instagram or Facebook at Process Peace and get these episodes delivered directly to your inbox along with a whole lot of extra inspiration by subscribing to my newsletter, The Sunday Pancake, Letters in Reverence of Creative Rituals. Go to rubyjosephine.com slash subscribe. If you've been enjoying Process Peace, I would so appreciate you choosing to support this podcast in any or all of three ways. One, leave a rating and review on iTunes. Two, share your favorite episode with a friend or on social media. And three, make a contribution at buymeacoffee.com slash A huge thanks again to Farida for this lovely conversation. Thank you to Cooper Lee Smith for creating the original music for this podcast. And a special thanks to you for listening.